Hey there, and welcome to another edition of Deep Dive. I'm Amy. And I'm Shane. And today, we are going to be talking about making room for hope. This is Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. This is what Isaiah, Amos's son, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of the mountains. It will be lifted above the hills. Peoples will stream to it. Many nations will go and say, Come, let's go up to the Lord's mountain, to the house of Jacob's God, so that he may teach us his ways, and we may walk in God's paths. Instruction will come from Zion, the Lord's word from Jerusalem. God will judge between the nations and settle disputes of mighty nations. Then they will beat their swords into iron plows and their spears into pruning tools. Nation will not take up sword against nation. They will no longer learn how to make war. Come, house of Jacob, let's walk by the Lord's light. All right, so we are in Advent. Hooray! Woo! (laughs) (laughs) And we have just started a new sermon series Mm -hmm. to go along with Advent because, of course, we think about hope, peace, joy, and love. And then. In various orders, which. Uh huh. Many, many years into ministry, I still can't remember the exact order because churches do it different sometimes. It is hope, peace, joy, and love. That it is is for Mm -hmm. this series, correct? Yes. yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the sermon series, though, we're talking about making room, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is really interesting because a lot of times I might think of that, that kind of terminology, more for Lent perhaps than for Advent. So I'm just wondering if you could talk about the series just a little bit. Yeah, I think the Lent comparison is apt. I mean, the it's commonly said in the church, we'll call Advent Little Lent because mm-hmm. the themes are the same. It's certainly shorter. It's certainly, um, how should you say, a little more brighter and enjoyable than Lent, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which Lent can sometimes feel like a dirge. But I, I think in the best case for both, it's a series of introspection. Uh, you know, what you're, what you're waiting for at the end of each is a little different, but they're shades of each other. So... Um, yeah, I've, I've always preferred it as a time of introspection. Now, as a, someone who works in a church, the introspection often comes because it's super stressful <laughs> and, uh, and there were extra busy, all these sort of extra things. And then you have all the family extra things. You know, I mentioned yeah. the sermon, we've already done two Christmas things, mm-hmm. you know, two big go visit Christmas things. And we've not even started the parties yet. Right. So, uh, you know, the introspection I think sometimes comes, it's, um, you know, it's a crucible, mm-hmm. you know, because you're so busy at some point you'd go, what do I want my life to be like? Uh, and that sometimes happens for better, for worse in Advent. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I noticed in the sermon is kind of this thread of talking about even um, like the definition of hope, um, kind of talking about this kind of original idea of hope is like the expectation kind of either way. And then, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there, there's a book I mentioned in the sermon called Surprised by Hope by N.T. Wright, which was a really important book to me years ago. Um, what's interesting is, um, what's the name of the Rob Bell book that he got all the flack for? Uh, uh, is it Love Wins? Yeah, Love Wins. And, yep. I, and um, it's funny, if you've ever read Love Wins, I, I often joke with people, if you've read that book, that... Um, it's essentially like a Reader's Digest version mm-hmm. of N.T. Wright's Surprised by Hope, which mm-hmm. establishes this sort of 
frankly, eschatology in times, what's actually happening in the faith. And, um, you know, N.T. Wright, he's, he literally means it, that if we, if we believe these things, we will be surprised by hope. And so hope has always been an important word to me. Um, and it's interesting. I just thought, you know what? You know, because we're zeroing in on these words, hope, mm-hmm, peace, right. you know, um, we, uh, it would be helpful to look at the words. So as I started doing a lot of reading in that last week, I, you know, I remembered the Greek word el peace, but I didn't necessarily remember any of the context yeah. for it because we just often think of translations as being one-to-one. This word means mm-hmm. this, but when we study, it's not that. It's much more complicated. And so it is interesting in that Greco-Roman sense that it just means an expectation of the future, which is fascinating because it can be good or can be bad, but it can't be neutral. You can have bad expectations, good expectations, but you can't have neutral expectations if you're going to use that word L-piece, which is really interesting. So one of the things the Theological Dictionary was talking about is that word often, for a Christian sense, always became synonymous with the word agape. And I mm-hmm. thought that was, to me, yes. I thought that was one of the more powerful things I read, that eventually we just dropped the agape. But those words sort of, it was almost like this portmanteau. It got merged into one thing. And I I use the phrase, an expectation of a love-filled future. And I thought that was really, I thought that was really interesting. Um, It's interesting to compare it also to things like the rabbinical tradition, which doesn't really even have a word for hope. The closest thing they could come up with is this idea of a messianic expectation. But Mm -hmm. in that, uh, there's some responsibility we have on earth within a rabbinic tradition to sort of set the table for Messiah. And so it's not this God-filled thing. If you go back further into the more of the Hebrew Bible Old Testament traditions, there is a greater sense of hope. Uh, you see it in the Psalms. You even see it in, in Job in this sort of funny, twisted way. I thought of Job a lot when writing this because I, I Job clearly had some sort of hope, but it was weird. It wasn't necessarily in God's justice. It was more just in justice is going to happen. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing. But uh, yeah, I find that really fruitful because it is Christianity taking this word, but really making it their own. And I, and I make the case in the sermon that I think hope is the defining word of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think I've, I'd love to have more insight than that, but I feel like I'm, I'm even wrestling with understanding what that means. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, so even from, from that point on, then I think you, you move to talking about how perhaps our cynicism, mm-hmm. what some might call realism um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or pragmatism, uh, can, can get in now in the way of really fully experiencing that kind of hope ourselves. Yeah, I, I mentioned there was a podcast I listened to probably about a year ago. It was the Ezra Klein podcast. He was interviewing Brene Brown, and mm-hmm. they were talking about, um, she was talking about hope as this cognitive behavioral sequence, but what was more interesting, she was talking about to bring Rob Bell up again, his yes. definition of despair. It's believing tomorrow will be the same as today. Um, you know, some theological writers said would maybe define it a little different. They'd say believing that tomorrow will be the same as Yesterday, I maybe maybe they mm, view that today is not as fixed, but I don't know if there's much in that. But uh, I I don't know. I think that's really interesting because the you know the cynic. I think the cynic would say, well, if tomorrow is going to be the same as today, it's up to me to make it better. And I think that gives us this sort of carte blanche to behave in all sorts of like unethical, destructive ways that don't bring about wholeness. Um, it, I'm not saying we should do nothing. Uh, I want to be really clear about that. But I, but if our hope is this externalized, that God and God's love will ultimately win, um, it means th- our focus is more on 
perseverance and patience and waiting. I, I, I didn't hit on that a lot in the sermon, but a lot of the authors I was reading was basically saying hope is synonymous with waiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's this foretaste of the future, this joy, this sense of presence that we have now, even though God has not fully arrived. Um, and so I think, I, I just don't think cynicism can coexist with that. And and I can be a cynical person. And, you know, so much, I know we're coming out of that a little bit as a culture. We're still cynical as a culture, but from our entertainment perspective, a lot of our mm-hmm. movies now tend to be a little more earnest, whereas in the 90s, they had a little more of a cynical edge mm-hmm. to it. You know, maybe that's just a generational difference between Gen X and, and, and millennials and Gen Z. I don't know. But I do think that is a good thing because I, I, I have a hard time seeing hope and cynicism coexisting. Uh, I, one of my favorite comedians is Conan O'Brien, and maybe that's just because he's completely absurd and ridiculous. <laughs> but when he went through this whole process where he got fired, for, his dream was to host The Tonight Show. He ultimately gets The Tonight Show after Jay Leno, hosts it for like a year and a half, something like yeah. that, not very long, and ends up getting fired. And in that, he could have had this enormous cynical response. And in his final farewell monologue, he literally said to avoid cynicism because it corrodes the soul. And I think that's that's an interesting example of someone mm-hmm. who found joy in the midst of joy and hope in the midst of suffering. You know, for him, it's you know he's he's doing fine, <laughs> but he you know he lost his dream. I always thought that was interesting. So I, that's where I really keyed in on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So picking back up on that, that Rob Bell, the despair piece of that, as we move into Advent, um, you've mentioned in the sermon that this is a a time of year that can be difficult Mm -hmm. for people. And um, and I, I think just saying to get rid of the despair or like move it out. We're talking about making room. How, how do you do that? You know, and you, oh, you said in the sermon, um, you know, that's going to be different for everyone yeah. and, you know, at different levels. But I mean, just how do you do that? Yeah. It's like this, it's like every one of our tendencies that can get to us all arrive, like nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Nostalgia can be, I mean, I, I generally feel nostalgia is not helpful. Um, so this is a season of nostalgia. Look back at the better times. And now we think, oh, now's not as good, Mm -hmm. you know? And then, so the idealing that comes with that, there's the, there's a notion of the fear of missing out, Mm -hmm. you know? And so you, you pull up, uh, you know, social media or whatever, and you see a million people smiling, happy at friends, givings, Thanksgivings, Mm -hmm. you know, Christmases, you, there's like all these things are arriving at one. Everyone's acting happy or at least faking acting happy. Mm -hmm. And it just, it's like, I don't know. It's so isolated. It can make you feel like in this world, like, am I the only one who's suffering? Where if we actually stop and think about it, we realize that's not true. Mm-hmm. But but I, all that, yeah, it's definitely a season for that. I, I feel fortunate that that's not necessarily a part of my life, but I have enough you know, friends and family members that go through that, that I'm sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why in the past in previous churches, I'd connected a blue, yeah. uh, blue Christmas blue service Christmas. to honor mm-hmm. that sort of suffering. Um, you know, there's a wonderful thing about this, you know, our life has this rhythm to it and that we repeat these events within the Christian tradition. We're following the Christian calendar that allows us to walk with Jesus and it makes these things sink in. Mm-hmm. But the flip side of that is it, it creates, you know, essentially, you know, these choke points will remember previous times. And I think we have to be sensitive uh, to that and the way we plan worship, Uh, um, just to be aware that, like, we can't go around expecting everyone to 
think this is the most wonderful time of the year. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And uh, one thing I wanted to maybe touch on a little more here is like, I, I, I don't like getting in the business of telling people how to heal from grief. Sure. Yeah. Because it's, it's often different from other people, mm-hmm. every person. I, I do think there's some commonalities. I think, you know, it requires community. Um, it requires certainly a feeling of belonging and trust where you can discuss those things, work out those things, find new purposes. Um, but I wanted to, I wanted to be clear that I don't expect people. I, I do think despair crowds out hope. But I think we don't necessarily have to clear out the despair to have hope. Sure. I think sometimes yeah, even that's a good point. I, I think sometimes even you know getting taste of that hope helps with the 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 clearing out maybe. Mm-hmm. And, and even in the case of despair, it's not like we ever get over these things. We just learn to live with them differently. Mm-hmm. And so instead of, I use the analogy of a messy room, maybe full of yeah. scars and knickknacks instead, you know, we, we know how to repurpose those things uh, to use the analogy of our homes. We know how to repurpose those things as decorations in our life that, um, you know, now are sweet, bittersweet memories, you know, to not to make every parent out there cry, but it, you know, it, in many ways, it's sort of the lesson of inside out, you know, mm-hmm. learning to have these yes. complex emotions, Emotions yep. with with these previous events, and mm-hmm. so that I, I I think that's the point I want to get to with despair. I, I, I don't want we should not feel ashamed of feeling despair, mm-hmm. but I, I do I do think it's important to remind people of the promise that your future is, you know, destined by God to be filled with love, mm-hmm. and that's a promise whether we believe it today or not. It's worth hearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, and I think that's so important too, just for people to to remember that this season can be complicated mm-hmm. um, for people. And yeah. so how we are in community with one another yeah. and, and how we treat others is particularly important, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Now's the time in our podcast where we talk about things we uh, encourage you to dive deeper into, things you think you, we think you might enjoy or uh, learn from. And so, Amy, do you like to go first? Sure. So this is ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> so on Hulu, there is a show, it's a Christmas show, and it is called Rap Battle. Have you seen this? <laughs> no. You must go home today. Is it just people wrapping presents? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a competition. And it gets so serious. People are crying. They're getting in fights. <laughs> it is absurd. And <laughs> I watched all four episodes that are up oh just my. last night. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. It's the kind of thing that if you're sitting there with somebody, you're going to be hitting them saying, what is going on right now? Wow. So it's like a it's like a train wreck <laughs> yes. of sorts. Yeah. yeah. And this just band of characters that they have on this show is just impeccable. I'm, I'm really into, I don't know if you've seen on Netflix, Nailed It, which is yes. like a it's like a cooking show, but none of the people are good cooks. Right. And they're making them do the most ridiculous things. And I, what I enjoy about it is like, it's not a cynical show because yeah. like everyone there realizes they can't really do it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so it's like this yeah. mutual, let's all laugh at each other. This sounds like this is Oh, fierce. these are these are people who take wrapping presents to another <laughs> level. It actually made me get on Pinterest and think, oh, no. do I need oh, to be no. wrapping presents in a more fancy way? Oh, no. Oh, no. This is a, da- <laughs> anyway, this is a dangerous recommendation. It is, but it's also hilarious. <laughs> uh, I, will, I will recommend something that I just found out a couple days ago. It's a podcast called The Promise. Uh, it's of significance to us here in Nashville because uh, it's about the 
Casey Houses, uh, the Casey Homes, uh, mm-hmm. which is a, a project in East Nashville that the city is undergoing this enormous process of revitalizing that area to make it mixed income. It's also important to us because we're a Presbyterian church and we have supported in the past and continue to support an organization called the Martha O'Brien Center, which exists right there on the campus of that. And it's a um, it's done by Nashville Public Radio. It's just called The Promise. Uh, I can't remember how many parts it is, but it's really, really interesting. They're right in the middle of uh, recording their second season mm-hmm. right now. It's not actually been released yet, but uh, it's a really interesting podcast of issues of race, of of policing, of, of public housing, of uh, what it's like to live in a city that's booming, um, mm-hmm. that we, you know, we experience every day as we hop in our cars yes. and try to get home. Um, you know, so I, I, I would commend that to you. Um, as always, uh, if you want to listen to the sermon, it's down there in the show notes, a link. You can watch it. You can see my mug up there preaching, or mm-hmm. you can listen to the audio version of it. Uh, like, subscribe, all those sort of, sort of things, and we'll see you next week on Deep Dive. See you. Bye-bye. Thank you.